the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 136, recorded Saturday, March 29th, 2014, by George. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I'm your host. Good afternoon on a fabulous Saturday. How are you? Uh, this guy right here is George Tucker. He's the engineering <laughs> coordinator for World Stage, and literally I couldn't do this without him. So how are you, brother? I'm good. It's Saturday, and it's 50 degrees almost in the East Coast, so I'm a very happy man. According to mine, it says 40, so eh, yeah, that's too bad. Uh, Michael Braithwaite. Michael is the uh, Vice President of Multimedia Streaming for Clear One. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Anytime. Uh, and last but not least, we saved the warmest for the last. Uh, Ron Callis is in beautiful Florida. Uh, he's the CEO of One Firefly. How are you, sir? Uh, very good. Happy to be here. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about Cisco, we're going to talk about uh, standards, and we're going to talk about streaming, and also uh, Ron uh, and uh, One Firefly have some really cool webinars that you need to check out. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. But first, uh, one of the more interesting things that happens in this business is not very often you get breaking news and super secret, don't tell anybody type thing. And about two or three days ago, I received an email uh, from someone that says, you don't know this, don't say anything until it becomes official. And I'm like, okay, mm -hmm. so what is it? Um, and the rumor was the fact that uh, one, George Feldstein was stepping aside from the day-to-day -day operations. He was no longer going to be the, the head of head, heading up uh, Crestron, the company that he founded more than 40 years ago. And lo and behold, it became true. Uh, from my buddies over at CE Pro, Randy Klein, named president and CEO of Crestron, founder George Feldstein. Stepping aside. Now, he's still going to be the chairman of the board, right? Uh, but as in day-to-day -day operations, Randy's going to be the CEO. And my understanding is that uh, George's son, Dan, is going to be the chief operating officer. Mm -hmm. So as has happened over the last couple of years with the, the passing away of, of, of Dr. Bose and, and some other um, formidable industry veterans, not that George is passing away, but he is stepping aside, uh, George, we'll start with you on this one, because all three of you guys have got a history and experience with Crestron. First, what is George's legacy? What is what is the legacy of Mr. Feldstein? Oh, God. That's, that. <laughs> we only have an oh, hour. Sure. Show, me, show me that one. We only um, have an hour. Yeah, really, exactly. Uh, you can't really sum it up in an hour, but look, yeah, he's changed the face of what we've done. Uh, the, the way that he innovates and the way that Mr. Feldstein, and I still can't break myself from saying that from those years, of making the industry look in a different way really did move us forward. Uh, we were stuck in a way of doing things that was just what we knew. And every time Mr. Feldstein would make a, a change, it really did revolutionize. He saw stuff coming. He saw the IT revolution coming long before anyone else. There's the the classic and, and often told story of of George and the gentleman from Extron having a debate live at a conference 
about where it was going and, and what the implications were. And George was right. Down to, if you knew the building and the new research center they did a couple of years ago, he has a little lab in which he tries out all kinds of new stuff. And that kind of thought process. He had a machine that I called the Wonka machine, which basically was an air conditioner and a, a sort of humidifier system that used natural processes. It had Ooh. layers of stones for reverse osmosis clarification of the water and all kinds of stuff. And it looked and sounded sometimes like a Wonka uh, the Everlasting Gobstopper maker. But his thought process in that always pushed the envelope. I remember doing a job for his house where we bought tons of copper because he said, run me, we're going to be putting you know, RGB in there, we're going to be putting this stuff in. And of course what he didn't tell us was that it was Cat5. And this is long before anyone thought we could do that stuff. And he just insisted that we could not buy, just buy Cat5, left us with our jaws hanging like, oh, oh, okay. And of course he proved that it made it work. So his legacy in summation is always pushing the envelope, never letting us be uh, complacent in what we use in the AV world. Okay. Uh, Michael, from your standpoint, uh, what, what, uh, what, is, what is George leaving us? I think George is leaving us uh, in very capable hands, uh, first of all. He has created uh, a, a great machine there. And Dan, uh, I don't know if everybody in the industry is so familiar with Dan, um, he will continue that, uh, and in fact, expand much more on it. Um, Dan has been involved uh, in many areas for a long time there, uh, and he is a definite ship off the proverbial block. Um, I've I've worked with uh, Dan. I've worked with George. I've worked with Randy. Uh, I've had many uh, uh, adventures and, and misadventures. In fact, to be honest, George is the is the real reason why I'm where I am in this industry. He believed in uh, some punk kid, uh, you know, and uh, was able to uh, uh, foster uh, and and believed in a lot of the ideas that the, that I had. And so. Um, I think George's legacy will be in, obviously, then the controls, but also as you know was was described. Uh, if you've ever seen or been to George's house, um, every aspect he's fascinated in. So it's not he's not um, the typical he wasn't the typical CEO uh, that you find in our industry. He was curious and interested about every thing in that house everything so um, you know uh, water uh, showers he I remember uh, he was talking to me for uh, we spent a, it seemed like an entire afternoon and all we were talking about was the temperature of the water in the shower <laughs> and uh, how that was going to maintain the particular temperature for the dur for a duration and so forth and it's glad I'm glad to hear uh, the talk about the cat 5 because um, that's such a, a, a big part of uh, you know where he has led the entire industry um, he he is the engineering engineer. So, um, you know, when you look at uh, CEOs, a lot of CEOs come from the sales side. They may even come from the marketing side and so forth. 
it's uh, very different when you see uh, someone from the engineering aspects uh, to be, you know, involved in that. And, you know, for the longest time, he drew, uh, he would, uh, he had the same car for, uh, I don't know how long. I mean, it, it, it took him, uh, because to be honest, he didn't really care about that. He was the first there in the morning. Uh, when I worked there, we were at, uh, the, there was only, at, in fact, when I was there, there was only one building in Volvo uh, Drive. And so uh, he was the first person there, and he was typically the last person to leave. In fact, technically, I worked for Randy Klein for most of my time there, and um, Randy used to get upset because George and I would be off on these kind of skunk projects, uh, so to speak. <laughs> and um, so George and I had a system where after everybody had gone uh, from the office and, you know, uh, 5, 6 p.m., uh, we would then start working on some secret projects that people didn't know about. Um, like the uh, a perfect example, PVID. Mm, if you're familiar yeah. with PVID, yeah. PVID was a pro was a skunk project that was really done from the hours of 7 p.m. to midnight, and so that's. Uh, but but I think you will see uh, from Dan's point of view, Dan is going to take the company, uh, of course, with Randy's help and with the, with all the engineering force they have. But I think you're going to see them actually uh, expand and, and even do more under Dan's uh, leadership. And, and Dan's really been doing so much behind the scenes already that, you know, I don't think people from the outside will notice much. To be honest, George likes inventing things, and he likes uh, um, li <laughs> he likes to bring in new things and, and see how they work. And I, I think that's always going to be there. That part, he's always, whether he's running the company or whether he's, uh, he's still going to be the the main thrust behind their innovation for for quite some time. Very good, uh, Mr. Mr. Callis. Uh, from your standpoint, uh, from somebody you know that you you guys you know help put stuff these systems in. Where do you uh, what do you think the legacy of of George is going to be uh, when it comes to you know uh, the industry as a whole? I, I think what George brought to the industry was really his passion for science, technology, and innovation. And I think he's he's demonstrated that with just an amazing flood and, and flow of new products and, and innovations uh, for the AV uh, commercial and home marketplace for years. Uh, through his building of the new science and technology and research center and just, you know, building an army of engineers. He has more engineers than many companies have entire employees. Yeah. And those that's just yeah. the R&D team. And so I, I think it's they are very well positioned for continued innovation and continued leadership. And, you know, as the guys here have mentioned, <laughs> George's real passion has been, you know, working in his lab with the engineers and it's been that way now for quite a few years. Dan and Randy and, and Fred mm. have really been driving, you know, the executive leadership side of the company for years. So I, although, I mean, I, I see this as more of a, a title change yeah. than a, a roles and responsibilities change. I, I don't think it'll change their day-to-day -day business one bit. 
Very good. Uh, you know, Ron brings up a good point that Fred has been at the forefront of a lot of product development for a good long time. So they are in really able hands. Yeah, and as as uh, clarification, Fred is Fred Bargatze, uh, the vice president of engineering, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I believe I just saw uh, yesterday, last night, I saw it on Facebook. He was just promoted to CTO, Chief oh, Technology wow. Officer. Yeah. So it sounds like across the board they've done a promotion of the, all the senior leadership mm-hmm. just in the past week or two. Very good. Yeah, I think that they're in good hands and, and shouldn't uh, – this, this, I think, I think Ron had hit it on the head where it's more of a title change than, you know, actual day to day. All right. Uh, speaking of changes, Revo Labs has entered into an agreement to be purchased by Yamaha. Now, the reason Yamaha says is to shore up their uh, their enterprise uh, audio equipment presence, which is um, interesting because when I think of Yamaha, I think of soundboards. Uh, but this is this is a move to kind of push their way into. Uh, and, and shore up their offerings for being in boardrooms and conference rooms and stuff like that. Uh, Ron, we'll kick it off with you on this one. Is this uh, a surprise, and, and is it a, a good move by Yamaha? You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna defer to my my friends here on the call. This is uh, I'm not that familiar with Revo Labs okay. and Yamaha. I you know our specialty here at Firefly is really in the uh, I'd say the the home technology space, and so this. This is a little bit out of my day-to-day experience. That's all right. George, is this a good move? Uh, I think it is. Um, Yamaha is using Revo Labs to fill a niche. Revo Labs specializes in that executive-level stylized technology. So they don't often break new grounds, Revo Labs, and I might just get hammered by people on this, but (laughs) they really do present a lot of products that are focused at the high-end executive market based on solid technology that has come before. And they repackage it and they do some tweaks to it that are really good, but their channel is a really, really dedicated following of people who use this for their high-level executive folks. And they do quality products in a great marketplace that I think Yamaha wants to find. They want to sort of edge into that market without losing their accreditation in the live sound and commercial world. So this really does give them a great channel to, to, to sell and to merge into. My, Michael, to, you know, to George's point, they're not, they're not groundbreaking people, but they, do, but they do a good job at what they do. Is this a good acquisition by Yamaha, or is this something that may, they may regret in a few years? I think it's a good acquisition for them. Um, Yamaha has, of course, lots of uh, business units, but they haven't. Uh, they don't have a huge market share in that enterprise group room, in that UC or you know unified communication uh, area so much. Um, they have some small speaker phones that uh, do in uh, maybe not as much in the U.S., but outside the U.S. do uh, all right. And this gives them a solid foundation of. Uh, not only dealers and access to customers and integrators and consultants that are using their microphones uh, into those, but it brings them definitely into the unified uh, communication business and the enterprise uh, group rooms, as was mentioned. Absolutely. I think it'll be good for them. All right. Uh, From the fine folks at AV Network, Okay, so let's let's just put it out there, uh, Michael. Actually, we're going to go with you on the last one on this because it's about HD base T, and you have a, an involvenment with a small organization called Avenue Alliance. So, um, 
not that you're you know competitors but you know it's it's different um steve harvey i'm sure is a very nice person uh <laughs> but this article kind of caught me off guard the title is now that hd base t is basically standard um what are the downsides so my my issue is using the word standard um and my buddy kevin iselli's favorite phrase is what's the great thing about standards there's so many of them so uh ron because you guys use hd do you use hd base t in in the home stuff you do yeah, of course. Okay. Absolutely. Not, let's answer the question first, and then maybe let's go back to the fact that, or maybe not no, the I'll, fact. I'll, but... I'll let Michael jump in first, because I know he's the most <laughs> excited to respond, and then I'll, I'll feed on that. All right, then Michael, we will do it with you. I, I, don't, okay, think it's okay. a sta- I don't think it's a standard, right? Uh, so generous. Well, but I think you're. I think you're being too nice. Okay. I think you're, I think you're being trying. way too nice. Um, this is uh, at at best. It's um, you know uh, grandstanding, but at the the worst, it's outright disingenuous. And here's why: HD base T, the name itself leads many of our uh, dealers, many of the integrators, many of the installers. They come up to me and they say, "Well, what about the standard of HD base T?" And um, you know, I, I look at that and I say, "You you know that's not a standard, right? That's a that's a name, that's a uh, and um, you know, it's uh, I'll give you credit that there's it's it's uh, clever that you name it to sound like a standard, yes. and then you get an article like this that talks about it as basically a standard." Here, here's the the problem I have is that um, the <laughs> with 10 gigabit Ethernet, um, what advantages do you have? First of all, with HD base T, um, you can do everything over Internet Protocol with 10 gigabit networking that HD base T has, and HD base T is available from one chip vendor. In fact, uh, part of our uh, uh, part of our uh, product development at Clear One, we can't develop a product that you can only buy source the chips from one vendor. Um, we have to be able to b- buy those chips from multiple vendors, and uh, there's just some very interesting issues with this whole article. Um, now, with all that said, I understand that it's popular. I understand that the People look at it, but um, it's it's disingenuous. The the entire that title of that article. And that was that was my my thing as well because I don't you know, I don't think it's a standard. So, uh, Ron, you want to you know, go off of Michael's and you know maybe maybe not be as nice as me. No, I, I just think it's pure marketing. It's it's uh, it's grandstanding. Um, you know, I, I think it's someone obviously with an agenda. You know, Steve. Let's say that's what it appears. I don't want to, you know, state that. Allegedly. What allegedly. was that, George? I said allegedly. We'll be like the newscast. Uh, oh no! Hey, you know what? You guys say what you want. I'll say allegedly. George will say allegedly. You two say what you want. You no, know, and it's in print and it's online and it's searchable. So therefore, it must be true. Oh, very nice. Um, you know. It's, isn't that like the quote they say? You know, um, 
the same problem with the things on the internet is they can always be made up. Uh, Abraham Lincoln. Yes. All right, Mr. Tucker, take a swing. Well, uh, well, I mean, they've as Ron said and and Michael said, it's it's marketing and yeah. it's a quasi standard. I'll be a little bit politer, I guess, uh, in which they're using a methodology and a certain chipset to do what they're doing. And marketing is what half of it's about, isn't it? Uh, I mean, AVB is still struggling because it's so technical sounding. And HD Base T says, hey, it's two boxes. You got a transmitter receiver. We do it. You know, I mean, there's something to be said for that. And they are in damn near every product you can mention, or at least a wide swath of them. You go to Infocom, you go to Cedia, you go to CES, that little logo is everywhere. And it is a way of saying Intel inside. Is Intel really the better chips? Ask AMD. They don't always think so. And ask some of the gamers. They don't always think so either. But Intel is the standard, as we use in the nomenclature of marketing, as Ron said. So I think it's it could have been a very informative article, although the Roth and I read through the entire thing. Yes, God give me morphine, you. please. The legion of quotes that were at the end, I'm not quite sure if they were supposed to have footnotes on them or what. It was a Wikipedia entry is what it turned out to be in many ways. <laughs> Well said. Well said. Yes. All right. Uh, it's a gift. I, well, you know. Uh, from, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a gift. Um, yes. Can I, can I ask a question? Absolutely. Uh, can, you, can you tell me what any advantage to the HD base T is when you have fast gigabit, 10 gigabit networking? I can I can give you some use cases, right? And and this comes from from the integrator side. And the reason I, I'm mentioning this is because right now we're I'm in the middle of, of developing a, a a conference room, a multi-purpose room, for a client in St. Louis, and we're talking we're putting uh, a, 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 a a AVB type uh, audio system uh, a, a DSP in, and the conversation got back to video and immediately the the gentleman that's that's heading up the project the project manager for it is talking about an hd base t type solution uh and and for that use case where you have point to point end to end you know one one source one one display whether um i can see from a from a cost standpoint currently sitting right here right now michael um that makes sense right Where, where you've got one one source, one display, and you're not worried about networking it. You're not worried about uh, about DAing it in any way, shape, or form. I can see where a cost uh, a, a cost point uh, for a cost uh, reason that would make sense. Is that, is that... I, I have to vehemently disagree with you on <laughs> okay. that because um, with uh, internet protocol streaming and with uh, standard based streaming and you can uh, decode and encode and ingest anything you want. I'm not sure why I need the HD base T is the is the uh, the main problem. Um, you know, we can take it offline, but uh, I'll I'll show you how you can do that one to one point where you don't need anything from HD base T. You can use the, your IP network infrastructure that's already there. Well, and it, well, does, does it come down then to that they have a they have a box solution? What you're talking about is yes, you can do this, and here's the little ways you can configure it with a standard set of of off the shelf IT stuff. 
But a lot of times in, in, in AV, isn't it like what's going to be the most efficient? Bang, 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 I'm done. Yeah. Yes, there's lots of cons to that, that you're restricted and that you're cornered and there's things you can't do or it's going to be slower to get there. But sometimes convenience equals acceptance. Sure. Uh, and you know, I mean, why do we have why do we have squeeze cheese? You know, what I mean? <laughs> come, come to clearone.com. There's a there's a plug. There's a plug. Yeah. So come to clearone.com. We'll show you how you could do the one to one point, and you don't need any specialized networking infrastructure. Uh, you know, you don't need to buy something from one vendor um, like that. So. Mm. Hmm. I may I may have to take you up on that, Michael. I may I maybe please do get 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 our cameras rolling. And, and... I, I say you put on a pair of boxing gloves and we just film the match. <laughs> yeah. What well, you guys? Are you guys familiar with uh... celebrity death match? <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> we'll bring back the death match. Anybody know how to do claymation? <laughs> Anybody? Ron, you guys have a production team. You, you guys can. Get well, yeah. Speaking of that, you you have you have a number of webinars, which is actually our next story. Um. Uh, you guys have a number of webinars that you that you started doing, and uh, the first webinar was called "Get Found Online," which uh, was on March fifth. Uh, the following one was was on March nineteenth. So, first of all, why why do the webinars? I mean, what's what is the idea behind them, and, and what are you hoping to to give back to to the community? Sure. If you if you look at you know our our two larger trade organizations, you know, CDIA and Infocom, they're, they're really focused, in, in my opinion, as, you know, one of their greatest values is education. But the, one of the challenges there is that that education is generally uh, mainly hoping, you know, happening once a year at uh, a trade event, a trade show event. Yeah. And so in, in our working with dealers, I mean, here at One Firefly, we run a design and engineering business, a programming business, and a marketing business. And so we're working with integrators of all shapes and sizes, uh, primarily throughout North America, but around the world as well. And we've just recognized that there's a lot of areas where they need help, whether that be help in, in, in getting found online and undering how, understanding how the the Google algorithms are working today, and what does it take to actually get found? That was the focus of the the March uh, training uh, webinars and seminars. And th there's a plethora of subjects that we're going to cover throughout the year. And the goal is to give our industry opportunities to to learn, you know, with, with that with no strings attached, really, but to learn year round. So our our efforts and um, strategy is to offer education every week now through the end of the year and if this is a success then we're going to just make it a regular part of our offering and every month it'll be covering new and uh, diverse subjects um, for this coming month April we're going to be covering uh, two two items we're going to be talking about discovery the discovery selling method which is uh, a, a method of selling where you define project scope and budget prior to entering a design phase. So as simple as that might sound, uh, I think there are you know many many integrators and salespeople around around our industry that are going from you know first client meeting to you know producing a proposal, only bringing it back and hoping that it sticks. Yeah. So we're going to present some methodologies around how to, to make a, a more cohesive, effective strategy 
um, for sales. And then there'll be new subjects coming every month. Well, seriously, good for you because that's that's one of those things that I mean, there are a number of people who who do webinars as well. But I, I thought yours was was particularly good. And um, you know, how can people find out? Just go to the website. Uh, yeah, you can you know follow us on on Facebook. Go to you know forward slash or Facebook dot com forward slash one firefly. Um, we're currently all of our webinars are under uh, and being offered through our Firefly Creative brand. Uh, around the subjects of marketing or sales, and so you can go to firefly-cs.com as well and learn about our, our latest offerings. Okay. So. Very good. All right. Well, not to, to continue on the education uh, front, uh, Infocom and Cisco or Cisco. Good lord, Crestron. Yeah, maybe I just made a, a Freudian slip. Maybe Cisco's going to buy Crestron. Who knows. <laughs> I told you they're going to buy a control company. You just wait. It may be Crestron. Uh, Crestron partners with Infocom on the 4K in a day video course. This is, oh my gosh. Uh, George, a couple weeks ago, just bemoaned the fact that we continue to talk about 4K. And guess what? We're going to continue to talk about 4K. Uh, George, all kidding aside, is this needed right here, right now? I mean, are we at a point where we need the education, like like Ron said, you know, there's there's only a couple times a year where we all get together. Do we need this now? I mean, are we at the point with 4K where we need a, a 4K in a day class? I think there's a need for a primer. Um, to double back, just like Ron said with what Ron's been doing, and Ron and I have been talking about social media and, and small AV company marketing for quite a while, and it's still something that needs to be done. And, and I, when I first saw the, the webinars he was doing, by the way, it, it was, they're awesome, and it really does encapsulate what needs to be said and what needs to be learned. So kudos to that. I know that when I first saw from Ron, I was like, that is exactly what we've been talking about for God knows how long. Um, but in the same manner, 4K has, it's everyone knows what 4K is, but they don't know what it is. To do that definition of is, is conversation. Uh, you Expl- have to be able that. to understand the basic premise of the technology. And we need to understand 4K, I think, from the integrator perspective, more than we ever needed to understand 3D. I can't believe I just said that. Um, <laughs> 3D. Um, so, so, yes, I think it's a great thing for them to take a leadership position on and be recognized as a leadership position on. So, I mean, we all know this is not just informative. This is not just an industry-wide, hey, guys, you need to know this. This is taking a leadership role. And I haven't seen any other forum on 4K that will encapsulate it the way I suspect they're going to do it. Um, You know, I see um, sort of a mix between Fred Bargetti's new technology seminars he does and the way Jeffrey Singer from Crestron does his presentations in that sort of conversational, somewhat technical, bite-sized informational, but still very hardcore sessions. I mean, you can't get everything in a day, but to get the premise of it for not just and what they're going to give is not just going to be for their DM product or whatever it is they're going to roll out. But is it necessary? Yeah, and I think they're one of the better ones to be able to tell it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, I just want to jump in there. I mean, their strategy is, you know, frankly very similar to what we're doing here at Firefly. And that is, you know, obviously we're businesses. We're in business to sell a product or a service and, and make a profit and, and continue to innovate. But the way to do that and is to take a, a, a way to do that 
from a marketing position is to, to present a thought leadership role and educate uh, the marketplace on whatever the, the topic is. And so they're taking a thought leader position, educating the marketplace on the ins and outs of 4K. Uh, there's a lot to learn there. It's important to know that the technology and the hardware to make that happen will, will have to be different than what we've had up till now. And ultimately, there'll, there'll be other manufacturers that, that have product solutions there. But at least Crestron is taking the position of, let me make sure I educate the marketplace on what this is, what you should be concerned about, what you should be looking for in your solutions. And at that point, the audience uh, and the members are informed uh, and, and better prepared to, to advise their customers. So I, I think it's, it's nothing but positive. I have a question about it, though. I mean, why do we not have a multi-company seminar on this? Is it just because it'll turn into the bickering that happened a couple of years ago? Or can we actually do it? Because it's going to be important to all of us. I hate to use the term lift all boats with, with that, but if it's a multi-company effort to educate and promote that, that, that standard, that format, you'd probably get a bigger response, thought leadership and industry leadership aside. So I'm sort of, you know, as I'm hearing you talk about that, Ron, and then reconsidering what I said, I'm like, I'd really, as much as I think they'll do a good job, I'd really love to see it become more than just a single presentation. And I think that, in this case, would be Infocom's position mm, yeah. to drive that yeah. agenda, to drive yeah. getting multiple viewpoints on the subject. It's just, as we all know, putting together a course, I mean, it's... It's getting multiple people together. It can be mm. wrangling cats. So, you know, <laughs> are, are they willing to, to pull all of that, put that energy in to really get a fully immersive and cohesive story together? I'm betting Crestron said, we'll do it. And they said, great, please do it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, we'll take it from here. Uh, Michael, it, it, to, to George's point, is that something that I'm not asking you to, to give me an official clear one position, uh, unless you're comfortable doing that? Uh, but is that something you, you think that, that you guys or, or maybe another company would, would be uh, kosher with you know, coming on board? I think so. And I do think it is the job of the industry associations. So the CEDIA Industry Association, the you know Dave Pedigo is a great guy there that should be leading this kind of uh, effort going forward, ISC and Infocom. If you take those three industry consortiums and industry groups they should absolutely be teaching about higher resolution so I'll take uh, I will uh, say something here that will probably get me a couple uh, boos I guess but this reminds me of 10 years ago March 29th 2004 there were lots of people talking about 720p and how, hey, uh, we're going to wire this building with 720p. I'm going to wire this with, with uh, and if you recall, 720p was the middle resolution of high definition. And here we are all over again, 10 years, talking about ultra high definition, and we're talking about the medium resolution. And this is, uh, it, it, to me, it's a little, it catches me a little off guard because, yes, we can certainly talk about 4K, but in the exact same document where it talks about 4K, it also describes the other resolutions. Yeah. And so this is why I think it needs to be from the industry. Uh, it needs to be a real session, not just that, oh, by the way, I happen to have an input card that ha can do 4K. 
okay, that's great that you could do 720p, but guess what? There are other resolutions that are out there. And so I, A, I think it's good that we need more education. I'm all for this, and if Crestron wants to do it, and Clear One, we have some efforts, and if other companies want to do it, I think it's all better. But the reason why we pay membership dues and the reason why it costs me a fortune to come to those once a year trade shows yes. and put a, put a booth there is that the industry should be the one that is promoting and pushing this education uh, you know further I, the, the, the comment I want to make to that though is what what content uh, is closer to the verge of being real and live and although uh, you know the, there are other resolutions, and yes, 4K is somewhere in the middle. It's just what's closer to actually being readily available to the mass marketplace. And I, I think it's again, I'll go back. It's marketing. 4K strikes me as being closer to being a legitimate content source resolution, and so thus that's why the marketing buzz would be around 4K. Versus, and, you know, 8K or, or alternatives. Yeah. Well, I'll, t I'll tell you, that's the exact same argument that came up 10 years ago when people <laughs> wanted to talk about 720p. Oh, no one has a 1080p source. No one is using 1080p. And all the all I'm saying is there's always going to be a higher resolution source. <clears throat> all I'm saying is since it's one document and one standard that talks about these resolutions, if we're going to educate our industry, let's talk about that standard and that document, including 4K and 8K and whatever's in there. Because there are people who came back to me later and said, hey, I've already wired this building. Uh, we already have our matrix switches in that can handle 720p, and now the customer has these 1080p sources. What do I do? They had to replace those, the, the equipment. And by the way, I, that's always going to be the case but what I'm saying is it's a very deja vu feeling right now in the industry sure. from what happened with 720p. Well, and, and the danger is when you start designing, if, you, if you're a design engineer or you do design build uh, AV systems, the danger is the, 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 the time it takes for that to happen, what, what Michael's talking about, is exponentially shorter than it was 10 years ago, right? You could you could design a system, you know, maybe six months out, maybe a year out, and you just, yeah, you know, the technology is not quite going to be there. You start designing a system today, and you don't put 4K in, um, or, and, and then maybe make you know provisions for 8K. By the time that might get to get get to get to the bid process and the actual build out in a year or 18 months. You might be doing what Michael's talking about, which is replacing things altogether. So I, I, I see your point, Michael, where you know maybe focus on on 4K, but also give give the people in attendance the knowledge of, of everything that's in that document. I and mean, it's kind of like talking about you know HDCP and and um, you know making sure that everybody understands all all the stuff that's happening with HDCP 2.0 and stuff. So yeah, absolutely. All right, um, Cisco is retiring. Their major, or their, I'm sorry, their silver tier major market uh, program. Uh, and the reason I mention this is because one thing that's been interesting to me, um, going from being a technology manager to, do, to being a, an integrator, are these different partner programs and the, the pricing differences and spiffs, which I've never heard of before in my life until I started selling things and, and putting things in, in programs and uh, designing systems. Um, 
Michael, I don't know if Clear One has has a, a spiff or or a, a incentive program for people. But is this? I mean, are these good good programs to have, or do they they do they unfairly uh, maybe influence um, salespeople or, or designers uh, when they when they go to design a system? Um, well, there. I think you can argue that they are good to have, uh, but there's also uh, distractions that they can cause. Uh, there's channel disruption that they can cause. Um, what's, you know, the interesting part on the Cisco side is that it's really a margin fight uh, that's going on between the different partner levels. And, um, you know, if you look at Cisco's uh, earnings calls or uh, when, they, when they give their financials, if you look at what their margins that they report, their margins are very healthy. At Cisco, they're in the 60-plus, uh, you know, point margins. However, if you look at these programs, they're nowhere near that. Uh, you're talking about very, you know, single-digit margins between these programs, and so I think what you're seeing is they're trying to uh, reset up, um, you know, and and make a smoother marketplace. For their their products going forward, at Clear One we we have several uh, partner programs, a gold and a silver, and you know the, the, a very similar type strategy. And there, I'm sure lots of companies do. Yeah. So. All right, Ron, uh, are these good programs to have, or do you think maybe they're they're a distraction um, and they unfairly you know uh, pit one one product against another? Well, every manufacturer is out there clawing <laughs> to get their piece of the pie. And when they're working with their dealers or their partners or representatives in the marketplace, you know, having spiffs or, or programs, dealer levels, dealer uh, rewards, it absolutely makes a difference. And that's from, you know, in my past when I was uh, a frontline soldier for Lutron and for Crestron, you know, working with the dealers uh, uh, in the marketplace. It makes a difference, it, it, you know, with with the right program or the right spiff incentive, uh, you can have someone uh, come in and convert from product A to product B, and it can happen rather quickly in a matter of, of months. You can ship to marketplace uh, with the right program and the right delivery. So I I appreciate what Cisco's doing. They're trying to streamline their program, and ultimately they're just trying to drive the bottom line by having the right programs in place. Uh, knowing and ensuring that they have people with the right education and certifications under their belt so that the end product is that much better. Yeah. So I, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think the one thing about that is is making sure that, that the people who have, have their hands on the product are properly certified and, and know what they're doing because that's only going to enhance the end, cut, the, the, the end user's experience, right? Because if if you don't know what you're doing and you just kind of, you know, you buy a Cisco product off the back of some guy's truck, you know, you, you're, you're less likely to, to properly install it. I mean, in the broader sense of just products in, in general, I'll just, uh, I'll pick on the subject of, say, lighting control systems. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, there's five, six major players in that game. And the consumer, when they're buying, you know, the Mr. Homeowner or Mr. Commercial Client, what they want is they want their space to be automated. They, you know, they want it to work. They want it to be reliable. They want it to do what they were told it would do when the salesman was waving his hands. Um, ultimately, the 
the the dealer or the the technology contractor, you know, is going to dip into his tool bag and pull out the product mix that he feels is best going to convey that. And that is what enables that person in many cases to switch from product A to product B because within many product categories the the products do very very similar things and they are in a very similar fashion reliable and, and work and so that's where you play the spiff game and the and the dealer programs to to, to get in and, and get the dealers to ship from product A to product B and it's a constant battle some manufacturers do it better than others uh, George, what say you? These are these good programs, or, or are they are they detrimental? You know, I've never had to deal with them, but in a personal way. But what I wonder is, when a company like Cisco gets rid of a level of certification, my question is, what's not working? Hmm. Uh, is it because what they sought to achieve in the marketplace isn't happening, or is that that level of certification not making the money it should? Uh, we all know that those are money makers in some ways. They're not phenomenal, but they are money makers, right? And guys, correct me if I'm wrong. You guys have dealt on that side of it more than I have. But that's my question is what's not working? Is something not selling? Is something not establishing itself in the marketplace the way they wanted to? And they had to make a change. And that means that some dealers get bumped down. Some dealers, dealers get bumped up. And we all know what that means towards their you know, special pricing and their, and their other relationships. And does it make those ones who bump down from, say, silver down to a master, I think they said it was, yeah. um, that they have to really struggle to get back up, and that means more training, more people coming up, and everybody's at that level? Or was it simply that the people in the silver line, that marketplace no longer needs that kind of push? I don't know, and I don't know enough about Cisco's programs to say that, but it always leaves me suspicious, having seen some of these programs from the inside. That's what it's all about. All right. It, uh, go ahead. it could also it could also be that it's just a margin stacking. It's just a um, that they have a limited amount of uh, margin, and uh, when you have too many programs, if you really don't have that much differentiation in those costing structures for the different programs, mm. uh, then uh, I could see where they took out like a silver and then say, okay, well, we only have enough margin to really you know satisfy these two other levels. Yeah, I could see that, and that's the other thing is is when you're when you start moving around the different programs, um, people who sell you know X amount on a given year, and let's say that you make you you average a hundred thousand dollars a year, and and that level is has always been gold, and suddenly you're in silver. Well, those margins are different, right? The 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 amount you pay for the product could possibly yeah. be different, and systems that are, are you know bids that you've already gotten out, and, and it depends on how they they work <laughs> it. Uh, you may uh, you may end up losing a couple points, so. You know, when you look at this, I, I read it as the 80-20 rule. They, they removed oh, okay. the, the silver and they amped up on the master side. And, you know, it, it's a simple rule in most markets that 20% of your dealers do 80% of your volume. Mm. And so I'm just imagining they're rewarding their better partners and removing the energy and, and time to manage a lower end of the marketplace that maybe isn't performing. No, and that may be too. That, that that's a good mm -hmm. point as well. Uh, all right, guys, a couple more stories—not really stories, <laughs> but just uh, some things for you guys to, in the audience to check out. Uh, there's a couple of ABIT training happening. We'll put a link on the website uh, as as Ron mentioned, the once a year thing that at Infocom this year. Uh, networking technology and the uh, networking AV systems, and 
Uh, the fine folks at SCN and AV Network has their installation products award. Please check it out. Uh, Clear One is on here as well as a number of other fine places, uh, people. So we will put a link on that as well. So, guys, thank you so much. Ron Callis is from One Firefly. He is the CEO. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Where can people find you? Uh, best way is Ron. R-O-N at onefirefly.com. That's O-N-E firefly.com. Okay. Uh, check him out, please, for the, the webinars that are coming up in the next couple months. Uh, Michael Braithwaite. Michael is the Vice President of Multimedia Streaming with Clear One. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me again. Uh, and where can people find you or Clear One? Uh, at Dr. Decibel uh, on Twitter and then... If you would like to know about networking technologies, definitely come to clearone.com and uh, look at something there called enterprise streaming. Enterprise streaming. I'm actually there. That's why I was going to ask you that after mm -hmm. offline. Excellent. So, enterprise streaming. All right. Uh, Mr. Tucker, thank you, sir. George Tucker is the engineering coordinator for World Stays. Where, where can people find you, you if they'd like to stalk you? Uh, at Tucker Twos on any social platform. I also write for Commercial Integrator, Corporate Tech Decisions, Red Band, and a few other miscellaneous guys here and there. And he has a full-time job, folks. So you know, he's he's, he's a real. I need a hobby. He needs. <laughs> he, you, you, you should take up hockey. Oh wait. Uh, hey, they'll make it to the playoffs this year. George I think is, they will. George, George is a I probably just fan, damned him. So. Uh. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. Don't don't follow me, but go by the website if you would, please. Avnation.tv. Avnation.tv. You will find this program as well as a host of others. Uh, we had a brand new education focus show called EdTech come out this week. We have our weekly uh, AV apps show. Uh, we also have a live life um, that has posted recently and uh, a special that George did with the folks at Draper and their new uh, their new uh, screen. So check that out. We also did uh, uh, the uh, Audinate with Dante. Yes. Uh, we and have DIY, a new, uh, DIY, DIY today. today. Yeah, uh, taped last night, right? Yeah, DIY was last night, and it'll post to the uh, the site shortly. Yeah. And there's a new Pico Perspectives coming out next week. Very cool. See, I told you I can't do this without him. So <laughs> I, guess I wouldn't forget all that stuff. Um, so yeah, go by the website. Uh, also, some some exciting things coming up. I think I think they're exciting. They're exciting to me. Um, so uh, we have uh, some really cool things coming out, and we will be uh, at Infocom. So check out the website for more information on that. avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we have for AV Week.